My name's Connor O'Hara, and you're listening to Pro Lacrosse Talk. Long driver. Snyder with scores. Now in front, Pinnell scores. Paul Rabel splits two and scores. Kylie O'Miller showing off those shifty skills. Kelly, not shy, bounces one home. What a start. Welcome to Pro Lacrosse Talk, the voice of Pro Lacrosse. I'm Hutton, he's Adam. Together, we're bringing you interviews with your favorite players and coaches, as well as news from all four professional lacrosse leagues. We're stoked to have you guys for another episode of Pro Lacrosse Talk. Adam's coming to you from Baltimore, and I'm once again in the D.C. metro area for the week. Adam, how's it going? I'm good, man. We had some exciting games this past weekend, so I'm ready to kind of get going and, and talk about them. Yeah, no, we had some great games. A lot of uh, PLL playoff shakeup yep. uh, from this past weekend. We're also going to talk game attendance for the PLL and MLL and what could happen to either of these two leagues down the road. Yep. So some big, big topics to discuss. But before we get started, let's go into our fast break. On Saturday, the Cannons knocked off the Bayhawks 12-11 to in OT to take over at the top of the standings. The Blaze beat the Lizards also in OT 14-13, to and the Rattlers got yet another win, defeating the Outlaws 17-12. to On the PLL side of things, the Chaos defeated the Archers 11-10 to in OT. The Atlas had a big win against the Chrome, eliminating the Chrome from the playoffs. 17 to 14 and the Whipsnakes absolutely destroyed the Redwoods 17 to 4 which will have big playoff implications which we'll talk about in a few minutes. Great so that was our fast break. Uh, you mentioned the Cannons Bayhawks game. I was fortunate enough to go to that game but a great evening honoring our military. Uh, it was their military appreciation day. They had dozens of veterans honored before the game. Uh, they even had a parachuter fly down before and, and having it all at their home venue of Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium uh, made for a great event. Uh, another personal pleasure of mine was being able to, to be in the press box where my late grandfather, James Hutton Jackson, used to sit and cover Navy athletics for the Baltimore Sun. He was a longtime sports writer in Baltimore and a member of the Baltimore Lacrosse Hall of Fame. Uh, I never met him, but I'm named after him, so it was kind of surreal following in his footsteps and being there uh, for that game. Uh, but following that game, I was fortunate enough to speak with both Cannons attackman Connor O'Hara, who had a hat trick on the day, and then Bayhawks longstick midi Jesse Bernhardt. There was a Bayhawks fireworks display after the game, so quite a bit of background noise, but still some great commentary on the game. So let's take a listen to what they had to say. All right, so Connor, you had a hat trick today. Yeah, you guys pulled out the overtime victory. How is it to uh, be at the top of the standings now? I uh, know it's great. You know, this league's so competitive, and, uh, you know, any game, anything can happen. So we're just taking it one game at a time and not really, you know, looking too far forward and anything behind us. So, What do you think you played so well today? What do you think was the difference maker in this win today? Uh, it was just a scrappy win, you know. Um, Chesapeake's a tough team. They like to, you know, yuck it up in there. And it wasn't a high-scoring game, 12-11, so just good team win. No one doing too much and just moving the ball and being unselfish. All right, so, Jesse, a uh, tough loss today, but, uh, you know, you guys, you grinded. Um, you're still at the top of the standings. What do you guys think you can improve on going from this loss? You know, I think we could just really look back at ourselves. I think a lot of things were shooting ourselves in the foot, whether it was fundamental stick work or just some simple, you know, scouting decisions on the defensive end. Um, you know, I thought we, you know, we got some saves in cage and, you know, Massa gave us a shot at the face-off X, so, um, again, I think we're just kind of, you know, taking a look in the mirror at ourselves, just clean some things up, and, and I think we'll be okay. All right, what did you think of this uh, home crowd today? You guys had a good turnout. Um, what do you think of the fans, you know? Yeah, I mean, we always do a great job. I mean, BK and, and you know, the Annapolis community do a fantastic job tonight being military appreciation night and, you know, playing a Navy Marine Corps. Um, you know, it's a special opportunity to have a bunch of, you know, veterans and groups that support those at the game is, uh, you know, is something special, especially, you know, here, here in Annapolis. 
So it was great talking to Connor O'Hare and Jesse Bernhardt. Uh, as Jesse mentioned, it was a great crowd at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium for Military Appreciation Day. Um, that kind of brings into one of a fan question that we've had. Um, at Redhead Racing asks us how the PLL and MLL game attendance has fared in 2019. So, you know, the Bayhawks game was pretty good. You had around 2,000 uh, fans there, maybe a little bit more than that. That kind of, you know, brings us to a topic of discussion that's been really talked about a lot, Adam, and that is how are these leagues doing in terms of attendance and, you know, how important is attendance in general? So given the data, what we have to go off of, I'll tell you the, the PLO's numbers that they've been providing have been pretty good. You know, 4,430 average per game, 16,000 in Baltimore was the big standout, and even the 8,000 in L.A. for just the one All-Star game was also a good turnout. So they're, they're doing pretty well. You know, it's not great numbers, but it's, it's definitely solid for what they're going for. MLL's been kind of harder to pinpoint. You know, Cannons and Bayhawks have historically had crowds from one to 3,000, with Outlaws getting crowds of around, you know, 5,000. Um, you know, and the important thing to remember about attendance numbers is there's always number skewing. Uh, a lot of these numbers that they announce are actually based on ticket sales, so we're not completely sure, you know, even how the PLL comes up with its numbers because they do have the two games on a day. Um, sometimes it appears they're counting it twice since it's a doubleheader, so they get the per-game number. Other weekends like Baltimore, the numbers were a little bit different, you know, because they had an earlier game in the day, and then they had the sold-out crowd at Homewood later that night. So, again, it's kind of hard to nail down these numbers, but it kind of brings us into the overall discussion about attendance. So, Adam, how important do you think attendance is for these leagues? I think it varies depending on which league you're really talking about. Um, you'll hear in our upcoming interview with Coach Dom Stardew of the Chrome uh, that he talked about with the PLL. Um, some of the main investors don't find the actual game day uh, crowd to be the most pivotal thing currently. They're utilizing um, the social media side of things, the social media outreach, um, and the uh, online viewership as maybe a bigger parameter uh, for them this year. Uh, Hutton, you talked to Paul and Mike a couple months ago in your article um, and talked about their three-year plan for the league um, and how they are, are planning on utilizing. Obviously, ticket sales is, a, is something they're looking at, but mainly the revenue that may be brought in from the social media aspect of things, um, as well as um, the viewership. So um, it, it'll be interesting to see um, at the end of the year what, what those numbers look like, but I don't think it's as big of a thing for the PLL as it is for the MLL, and we were talking a little bit before we started recording, They're, the leagues are at two different points in, in their in their histories. Obviously, first year for PLL um, and the MLL, I think is at a more integral time when it comes to attendance. You just saw the PLL add the big sponsorship with Gatorade and obviously other organizations over the last few months, and the MLL. I'm not sure where that. Uh, revenues coming from other than ticket sales. Obviously, they have some connections when it comes to um, advertising and whatnot, but I bet I, it's hard for me to believe um, that they're getting more revenue from anywhere other than ticket sales. And when some teams aren't really drawing as much as they would have hoped, those numbers are going to be lower. So um, when it comes to what we'll talk about next with merger potential and all those types of things down the road, they're just at a different standpoint in the league. And it's it's really not looking at apples to apples. The long-winded answer there, but I think attendance is really more important this year and probably going forward for the next few for the MLL. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. Um, you know, I definitely think it, they probably put a little bit more stock in it. Um, I think you make some good points about it being more pivotal for the MLL. And, you know, obviously right now they're 
a little bit lower than the PLL um, in attendance. But you know, if you ask me why the MLL hasn't been successful, I wouldn't point to it being attendance. It's definitely been stagnant for the past you know, four or five years, but they're not making any strides, not because of their attendance. You know, sure. Attendance is just a small slice of that big pie. It's, you know, they're not getting these broadcast deals like the PLL has. They're not getting these major sponsorships. You know, they, they do have some big ones like New Balance and Bud Light, but you know, it's, it's nothing like super huge. That's kind of why they haven't really taken off recently. You, know, you, you could only watch them on ESPN2 a few times during the summer, um, in past, and even then, it was you know either recorded or uh, you know the broadcast isn't anything like it is at NBC. So um, you know that kind of segues into our our next question from a fan, and he he wants our honest opinion. It's uh, at the Mike O R Abona asks, uh, what's your honest opinion of the fate of the MLL? How long can there realistically be two leagues? Uh, do you think one will fold, or will there be a merger like the NFL and AFL or NBA and ABA? And uh, that's a good question because honestly, I don't think we can answer that just yet. But when you look at mergers and acquisitions, you got to look at what value does each league bring, and I think that's where the question lies. You know, you might like the PLL's gameplay a little bit better, or you might like the, you know, the MLL because of their um, city roots. You know, that's fine. But that's not what they're going to be discussing when it comes down to mergers and acquisitions. You know, you, you got to come from a value standpoint, and whether these leagues would actually put aside their differences at some point to merge. Um, but right now, I look at it. You know, the PLL has the broadcast down. Uh, you know, that big deal with NBC. They have the better players. You know, I think that the top players in the MLL could play easily against some of the, the top uh, PLL players, but there's definitely more of a drop-off in the MLL, and, you know, no one debates that. But then, you know, the MLL does have its community ties. A lot of people overlook that. They're very involved in the community. I mean, just looking at the Military Appreciation Day that they threw this past weekend with the Bayhawks, um, and the events like that, you know, they do a lot with the youth clinics uh, throughout the summer um, and, you know, other community organizations. So you can't really forget about that aspect as well. But when I look at it, I just don't think the PLL would have any reason to want to acquire the MLL. And I don't think the MLL obviously has any desire to eventually acquire the PLL if that was to happen. And then when you look at a merger, you know, they're just going in different directions right now. They're taking the sport in two different directions. And that's not to say one's going up, one's going down. It's just a different path to what we all want to see, and that's the sport grow. But, you know, we talk a lot about how it's kind of the NFL versus the AFL or the NBA versus the ABA situation for lacrosse. And um, the more and more we go throughout the summer, I think it's looking less like that. And I think one of these leagues is just going to have to outlast the other. I don't know. What do you think, Adam? Yeah, it's it's definitely different than when the AFL and NFL merged. If, if you look back at, at kind of history when it came to that, ironically, the, the starting point was fairly similar where – the AFL was started because a lot of owners were unable to to get into the ranks uh, of owning an NFL team. You could say that's pretty similar to Paul and, and Mike trying to buy the MLL um, and and recreate rebrand it like they wished. But so they uh, started their own league with the PLL. Uh, but from there, the NFL merged with the AFL because they kind of felt that the AFL was going to get pretty big, so they wanted to kind of squash that early. And, and that's not going to happen with the PLL. You know, they, if anything, the PLL would, would, would eat up the MLL potentially. And they're, they're different products, like you said. So the, the two footballs from the football side of things, though, those were similar products um, working to kind of towards the same goal, competing once in a, against one another. And this, this is pretty vastly different when it came, comes to that. So um, I, I, I don't see 
the merge happening anytime soon. I, I think this is going to take a couple more years, to be honest with you. You know, you talked about the three-year plan for the PLL, uh, potentially, with their, how in their investor groups are working. Um, we don't know what it looks like from, from the MLL side. Um, that's something that's super intriguing to me is we're kind of in the dark with the MLL. You know, with the PLL, they kind of talk about um, the forward-thinking side of things and, and what, what's to come. And obviously, there are a lot of things we still aren't 100% sure on, but we really don't see a vision when it comes to the MLL. It's kind of status quo. Obviously, they rebranded with the logo and whatnot, but it's just a little bit different. So we don't really know um, what their long-term plan is uh, for the league. So that kind of muddies the waters when it comes to deciding how, how long this is going to last. And heck, you don't know if uh, they folded three teams after they already had a draft. So it seems like they're riding by the seat of their pants a little bit more than the PLL. Um, not to say one's going to outlast the other, but it's, it's just interesting because we don't really have the, the the plan for what the future of the MLL is. No, yeah, I'd agree. And the PLL, they have the funding right now, but we don't know how long that's going to last. You know, we don't know how, they got to be burning through a lot of cash right now um, to make a lot of this work, you know, with the, the broadcast. I know Paul talked about how it wasn't a media buy, so it's definitely a partnership with NBC, but, you know, they're still fronting the cost probably on a lot of, you know, the production side of it. They're pumping money, you know, into these stadiums to, to be able to play there. Um, and, you know, I'm not saying that they're not going to be successful, but there's a lot of underlying factors that we don't even get to consider whether, you know, a league can be viable. I mean, just look at the AAF. Everyone loved the AAF. It was a good change of pace. Uh, you know, everyone loves football. It was nice watching it. They had the CBS deal. Um, what happened? They ran out of money and they folded, you know, before the season even ended. And I don't think the PLL is that financially unstable, so I don't want to really compare them to that. But that's just an example of how everything can look great one moment and then kind of go south. So, um, yeah, again, we just got to keep monitoring it. We're not, we, we're not fortune tellers. We have no idea what's going to happen, but that's kind of just the way I see it right now. And, you know, unfortunately, I would love to have a PLL versus MLL Super Bowl for lacrosse, but I don't think that will ever happen, unfortunately. I will say, when, when you bring up the AAF, one of the main investors for the PLL, Joe Sai, just took complete ownership of the net. So the one of the main investors has more money, I think, than the AAF had altogether. So I think they're definitely in more uh, financially stable at this point. No, yeah, absolutely. And it's great to see him become a, the full owner of the Nets because um, I, I think you know we need a guy like that who's business savvy um, and already got his foot in professional sports to kind of you yep. know help out this league go where it needs to go. But uh, yeah, that's kind of our thoughts on that. So some great questions from our listeners. We appreciate it. Keep sending your guys' feedback. And with that, we'll take a quick break and we'll get back into the, the game recaps that we have from this past weekend. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back. So let's dive into these MLL games, Adam. We had some really good ones, uh, two overtime games. Uh, the one in particular that caught my eye was the Blaze versus the Lizards. So what did you see from this game, and what do you think really stood out going into the final stretch of this MLL season? 
the lizards kind of find a variety of, of, of ways to lose. You know, they, they get blown out one week, um, give up over 20-some goals to, to the Bayhawks, and then this week have it close and, and try and pull it back and, and outscore the, the Blaze in, in the fourth quarter, and you, and you think they may have a chance to win this one. And then Brian Cole, who had three goals on the day for, for the Blaze, comes out of a scrum, um, not, nice ground ball, and, and puts it in the back of the net beating Austin Cout for, for the game winner. So um, Blaze are lucky to pull this one out. They're one game um, behind the the Bayhawks and, and Cannons for, for first place. They have um, a game up on them. So they're the Chesapeake Bayhawks and, and Cannons are 7-4 while the Blaze are 7-5. and five. So um, another big win for, for the Blaze to stay atop the leaderboards for, for the standings. Mark Matthews, I, I talked about that being a homecoming for him a couple weeks ago. I thought that'd be a big, big move for the Blaze, adding him back to the roster like he was a few years ago. Had another strong day um, with 2-2. Two and two. Uh, Alex Woodall had a great day um, for the Blaze as well, winning just over 50% of faceoffs at 14 wins. Um, also had a pretty absurd one-handed goal where he picked... That goal was nuts. Yeah, absolutely. Picked it up with one hand uh, and then um, went from there the entire way down the field um, with that one hand uh, and shooting one-handed. Um, they were lucky enough to pull this one out. Like we, we've seen in the past, Tommy's Palasek had two and two um, and now is the all-time leader for a season in, in assists uh, for the Blaze. So um, I think this, this one's over when it comes to the season for, for the Lizards. They obviously, we talked about parity um, in the PLL before, the parity in this league for, for teams that get blown out one week, come back to, and lose an OT. We'll talk about a few games going forward. But it, it's going to be tough for the Lizards to, to get back into playoff contention now. And I'm, I'm not sure where they go from here. Um, it'll be interesting to see. But another big win for the Blaze. You know they're they're kind of getting hot at the right uh, moment, pun intended for that. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, it was it was nice to see them pull out that win again. You mentioned the Lizards; they just they can't seem to win the games that matter the most um, against the you know the teams that they're fighting for playoff spots with. Uh, so yeah, definitely disappointing for them, um, especially you know considering we really don't know the status of Rob Pinnell for next year. So yeah, it would be interesting to see. Uh, where they go and where they finish at the end of the season. But some teams on the upswing, you know, first I want to talk about the Cannons a little bit because, you know, they had a phenomenal game against the Bayhawks. Uh, The game itself was really scrappy, and the Cannons never really led actually until late in the second half uh, where they kind of pulled out in front um, and took the lead. But, of course, Lyle Thompson doing Lyle Thompson things had to tie the ball game and send it to overtime. But then, you know, Zeddy Ballgame, as he's been deemed on ESPN Sports Center Top 10, put one away to give them the win. So they're sitting at the top of the standings, and they've kind of flown under the radar. Um, so I really like what I saw, especially out of Connor O'Hara. You know, out of Bucknell, he had three three goals for a hat trick on the day. Um, you know, we talked to him earlier. So the Cannons are looking good right now. Um, Nick Morocco's playing well in cage. He had a ridiculous save. Uh, that'll definitely make our top plays. So um, Cannons are on the upswing. And then the Rattlers, they've won four straight. Uh, and this game was actually... A lot better of a game than the last one against the Outlaws. Um, the Outlaws, you know, played them well. It was tied 6-6 at half, but an explosion of eight goals by the Rattlers in the third helped them cruise to victory. Jack Curran had five goals, and Ryan McNamara joined him with five points. Uh, he had three goals and two assists. Um, you know, Voigt was a little co- more quiet this week. He only had one goal and an assist, but it was still a great defensive effort by the Rattlers again. Uh, Sean Scannoni coming up big again with 14 saves. 
So they're on the, the upswing right now. Um, if you looked at the stat sheet, you know, you kind of would have scratched your head how the Outlaws didn't come away with this one. But, you know, the Rattlers are just a little bit more opportunistic. But tell me about this Outlaws team, Adam, that's now lost four straight. Yeah, and they're sliding. I, I, I just don't get it. They're just not clicking like they did earlier in the season. You know, it's like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and I don't think Dr. Jekyll's coming back anytime soon with this squad. It's just sloppy play in areas that you're not expecting a squad like this to to be sloppy. And, you know, they were tweeting out the last time they had um, uh, a streak of three losses in a row. Uh, they went on to win the championship that year. I'm not sure if that's going to be the case this year. Um, if, if they're able to turn around, there's still plenty of time. And, I mean, how the standings are, like we were just chatting, uh, they're still, still in, in playoff position right now. They have two games up on the Rattlers. Um, so we'll, we'll see where things go from here. But I, it's just surprising to see a team uh, like the Outlaws, who have um, some pretty strong veterans on their squad, um, who have been in the MLL for some time now, um, struggling like this. So um, Dylan Ward... Played pretty well in cage, but it wasn't up to um, his standards, I'm sure he'd consider. But we'll, we'll see if Dylan Ward can bounce back um, from these last few and, and really get back to that all-pro playing potential we've seen him in past seasons. Yeah, no, and, uh, you know, I, th- I think, too, the Outlaws, they, it's not like they're not getting production out of their big guys. You know, Kavanaugh, Courier, Grant, Jr. all had good games, but two to three points just doesn't cut it. You know, if you if you want to pull out these wins, um, and again, like I said, the the Rattlers are just a little bit more opportunistic. The you could just tell watching the game that the Outlaws looked like they fell asleep a few times on transition and let the Rattlers get these you know easy goals. And I think that was kind of the difference maker in this one. But the Outlaws need to get one here to get you know their confidence back. Um, and the Rattlers are still you know treading water right now. So gonna be a, a fun end of the MLL season, you know, a lot of parity in this league as well. We talk about the PLL having a lot of parity, but the MLL has been pretty even, Steven, the whole way through as well. Yeah, and it's pretty surprising considering how earlier in the season, um, when there were a handful of games played, we, we were talking about the top four were, were settled. We were like, well, I guess the Rats and, and Lizards are out, and, and those are the four. But since then, it's been complete opposite uh, scenarios for the Outlaws and the Rattlers. So um, I, I can see uh, Chesapeake and the Cannons and Blaze in there, um, but at this point of the season, you, you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, no, and another important thing to, to remember, too, with the MLL is it's based on head-to-head, not goal differential first. And right now, you know, the Rattlers are uh, leading the Outlaws 2-1 to one in the series. That could come to hurt the Outlaws later if these two teams end up, you know, having a similar record towards the end of the season. Yeah, it'll definitely be big. They don't play each other again before, before the playoffs. So they, they've won that head-to-head, and um, they just have to keep winning. Yeah, no, definitely. So um, we'll be keeping our eye on that. But let's shift gears now to the PLL um, and discuss some big moments from this weekend. The biggest one for me was Connor Fields to Josh Byrne, uh, double behind the back. Josh Byrne, I know, said on the the broadcast, he's like, you know, when you catch it behind the back, you got to finish with behind the back. I thought that was great. And he had quite the, the comeback coming back from injury. Uh, he looked like he never skipped a beat. So it was nice seeing him come back and getting the overtime game winner in the game as well. And then, you know, the, the Archers, though, you got to give them credit. They, they fought back. Um, I feel like in this game, you know, again, the, the Archers' transition defense has still been their Achilles heel. And then also they gave up two easy goals on six-on-six six that gave the Chaos a two-goal lead at the end, which they eventually erased, you know, thanks to um, Tom Schreiber uh, and Ben McIntosh at the end. But 
you know, you just can't give up these easy goals, especially to a team that does so well on transition like the Chaos do, and they end up, you know, dropping it in overtime. That, that win would have probably put them in the playoffs. Now they got to win one more to get in. They're still sitting in a good position, but um, definitely disappointing for the Archers to come away without a victory. You know, it's, it's crazy to think that, so right now they're in that three spot, um, and a win next week gets them into the playoffs, potentially. Um, and I, I could see the Archers missing the playoffs, and I could see the Archers winning the championship, if that, if that sounds... Is that crazy to you? No, I agree. It's really just a mixed bag uh, of what you're going to get from the squad. And, you know, they, they don't necessarily have the worst games ever, you know, that in their losses. They're not getting totally blown out. But it's just crazy to me to think that they could win the championship or out of the playoffs and, and going for that first overall pick. So um, I, I'm super intrigued. Um, we'll talk later on what we're looking forward to this weekend. And I'm super intrigued uh, to see what the Archers do going forward. Yeah, it is a little concerning that they haven't been able to close these games out because once playoff time comes, if they do get in um, at the three or four seed, they got to win out. There's no uh, backup game like the one and two seed have. So definitely a team to watch. Uh, I agree with you. I think I could easily see them winning it all, but um, they definitely have to figure some things out. Um, it's the little things right now that I think are hurting them. And we talked about that two-headed goalie monster. That wasn't the reason why they lost this week either, you know? They were about 50% for, from the cage. Um, Adam Gittleman was 45.4. Drew Adams was 54.5. They basically combined for 11 saves on 22 shots So on cage. So that seems to be working still. So uh, it. It's just super interesting to see. They're my most intriguing team uh, going into this final regular season week. And again, too, with the defense, it's not like the defense is playing bad. You know, they held the chaos to 12 goals. Um, they they really haven't given up that many goals all this yeah. season. Um, but it's those little, like, mental breakdowns that they have, like I said, in transition. Um, and sometimes, you know, in that Atlas game, even last week, they just let guys, like, run through them. Um, yeah. all the way to the cage. I think, you know, they don't make teams work as hard for their, their goals. So I think that, you know, could potentially bite them in the butt come playoff time. But let's talk about another team that's still got playoff hopes. Uh, they're still alive, you know. It's the Atlas, uh, thanks to the guy you, you said was going to have a big game, yeah. Paul Rabel. Uh, tell me about this game, Adam. Yeah, it, it was a big game uh, for Mr. Founder himself, Paul Rabel, a 3-1 and one, um, with the dagger in the fourth quarter to get the Atlas uh, this victory. They, they kind of won despite uh, Trevor Baptiste um, having his lowest winning percentage at the X uh, this season at 54.5, tying that, uh, that number. So um, usually that's the first place you go to when you, when you look at uh, the Atlas's win this season um, is, is his success at the X, and, and they won despite that. Um, they, they had some really strong play from, obviously, that attack line. Ryan Brown had five points, uh, uh, four goals, one of them being a two-pointer. Chris Cloutier had a really big game. You look at a win for the Atlas, um, and it comes when, when that attack line plays well, uh, and then they had strong uh, success from someone like Paul Rabel as well. So big one for them. You know, they needed a prayer when it came to that goal differential side of things, and we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, the Whip Snakes, who's another team uh, that's on the upswing, they answered that prayer for them um, with such a decisive victory over the Redwoods. But another big game for the, the Atlas coming up this weekend. Um, another one where potentially they win and they're in. So I'm, I'm super excited to see what they do um, going forward. And they've been another one that has kind of been up and down. Um, hopefully they come out to play 
um, when it comes down to those playoff games. You know, the Atlas are fighting for their playoff lives, and uh, you predicted it last week with Paul Rabel coming up big, and they needed a big game out of him. Um, you know, they needed their big guys to come to play, and, you know, it looked like the Chrome were going to run away with it early, but, you know, they kept fighting back, and, you know, Trevor Baptiste had one of his worst games of the season, but it was still above 50%. So, you know, he's just been dominant at the, the X. And I think, if not uh, face-off Man of the Year award winner, I think he could easily get MVP if they end up making a run for the championship as well because he's been the only consistent thing from week to week for them. Uh, and, you know, he's really delivered and gotten them those much-needed possessions so that they've been able to hang in these games with these teams. So, you know, they're definitely a team to watch. Um, but let's talk about the whip snakes that you mentioned. Uh, Matt Rambo, four goals, three assists. The team ended up scoring 17 goals, uh, you know, against the Redwoods, 17-4 to four blowout. And they got scoring from all over the field. I mean, Rambo had the biggest day out of anybody, but... You know, you had Drew Snyder involved, uh, you had Ryan Drenner, Connor Kelly, like all the big guys came to play. Um, you know, Mike Chanichuk, another two-pointer, you know, shocker there. Um, so they came out with a statement win. We talked about how, whether we were worried about them, and, you know, I said, I'm not too worried. I think they'll bounce back, and they, they did uh, in a resounding way this past week. So they get the win, they get a playoff berth, uh, and they're going to be you know, one of the top two teams going into the playoffs, so it's going to be them versus the Chaos in the first round. Uh, winner, chance at the championship. Uh, loser will still get another chance, but uh, you know, that's going to be a fun matchup to watch uh, in three weeks. But let's talk about the team that worries me the most, Adam, the Redwoods. Let me read the stat line to you. If you didn't watch the game, you would have thought it was a lot closer than it actually was. Uh, each team you know, had 29 ground balls, uh, the Whipsnakes had 43 shots, the Redwoods 37. Whipsnakes had 14 turnovers, where the Redwoods had 17. Uh, each team had 16 cause turnovers, and they were even 50 at the faceoff X. So pretty even on the stat sheet. But the difference maker was the quality of shots the Redwoods were taking were so poor. They were shooting 10.8%. They looked like chickens with their heads cut off all day. They couldn't get in rhythm at all. Um, the defense, you know would have, you know, good series, then they let one in, like, right at the end, or, or they were getting killed on transition. They couldn't really figure it out. They just looked lost the whole game. I don't know. What did you see from this Redwoods team? Yeah, the, the, the shots they were taking just, just weren't successful, putting them in a successful situation, you know. Kyle Bernlor had a, had a great game as one of the best goalies in the league, 11 saves, and only let in four. But, I mean, at the same time, only getting 15 shots on cage in one of these uh, professional games, it's just not going to cut it um, when it comes to the shooting percentage. You know, what, what was it, about 10% on cage shots? Um, that, that's, that's just not going to do it for, for one, of the, one of the six best squad in, in the world. Um, and I, I'm nervous. You know, everything that could go wrong went wrong for them when it comes to not only losing, um, and the loss may have not wouldn't have been that big of a deal um, to an extent if they hadn't let up so many goals. Um, that this puts them in a really tough situation. They they don't have the luxury of having whatever they do be the only decision maker when it comes down to the final week of the regular season. They had the driver's seat um, even if they had lost this by a close one, and now they have to wait to see what happens um, when it comes to the Atlas and the Archers games as well. Um, to see if they, they have a chance to make it into the playoffs. So that was the one thing I took out of uh, Nat St. Laurent's interview after the game. Um, he was the most frustrated, uh, not, not that they lost, but how they lost, and now they don't have um, control over their own destiny. 
Yeah, you know, and they had some unlucky breaks too. Like they hit four pipes. They had just as many pipes as they did goals, but you know, too many mental mistakes. Um, and I think that's kind of what cost them in this. But you, you mentioned the goal differential. That's going to play a huge factor. So right now this playoff scenario is a chaos versus the Whip Snakes. Um, depending on who wins each game will determine the seeding, but each of them will be playing each other in the first round. And then the three and four seeds are up for grabs between the Atlas, Archers, and Redwoods. And right now you have the Archers sitting at a really good goal differential with three, and then the Atlas and the Redwoods are sitting at the bottom with the Atlas at negative 10 and the Redwoods now negative 13 thanks to that blowout loss on Sunday. So it's really going to be interesting. Like we said, the Archers really just have to win one, barring any major, major victories by the Atlas or Redwoods, which would be you know, nearly impossible. They'd have to, those teams would have to score more than 16 if the Archers win. Um, but if the Archers lose, it gets a little more interesting. You know? And the Atlas and Redwoods are just hoping that they can get their win on their side, and then they can, you know, put a few home to give them a, a nicer cushion going to the goal differential. But right now, you got three capable squads competing for two final spots. So uh, one of these teams is going to be on the outside looking in and having to, you know, play the chrome for that draft pick as opposed to trying to make it a championship weekend. Yeah, and I think uh, we texted about this during the game. It's pretty crazy when you look at the standings that only two teams out of the six are going to have winning records. We may have a few that are that have a, a 500 record, but literally only two teams are going to be over 500. Yeah, no, it's uh, it kind of shows just, again, the parity of the league um, and how tight these games have been. You know, that was only the second blowout that we witnessed was the Redwoods versus the Whipsnakes, other than that Chrome victory over the Chaos. So it's been very closely contested the whole, the whole season. So, yeah, so it's going to be a fun final weekend of Premier Lacrosse League in Albany, and uh, we'll be looking forward to watching it. Uh, but let's segue into our game picks, Adam. I know you have some thoughts on uh, who you think is going to win this weekend. Um, this past weekend, though, I came away victorious. I was 4-2. You were 2-4. So I'm sitting at 31 and 23 on the season, and you're 28 and 26. You gotta get some wins back uh, this weekend yeah. in order to catch up. But uh, let's go in the MLL first. You'll go first for the MLL picks. I'll go first for the PLL. But who do you have between the Rattlers and the Cannons on Saturday? They spurned me this week in the Rats when I picked the Outlaws uh, to to win that one. Um, but I, I think the Cannons are playing really well, coming off that OT victory. Um, I think. Uh, Unfortunately, the win streak for the Rats ends this week. Yeah, I, I should stick with the Rattlers because, you know, I've, I've stuck with them and they've given me some success. But uh, the Cans looked good, you know, in person when I saw them on Saturday. Um, you know, they're, they're playing complete lacrosse right now. And they played, a, you know, a really solid team in the Bayhawks. So I'm going to go Cannons as well in this one. So following that Cannons game, though, we have the Bayhawks at the Blaze. Uh, who you got in this game, Adam? This one I'm really looking forward to this weekend, um, just with two teams that are battling uh, for that first place spot. Um, it's going to be a cl- another close one, I think. Uh, I'm going to go with the Blaze in this one. I'm going to see that uh, they they cut it a little close against the Lizards this past weekend, uh, but I can see the dominance of Mark Matthews and Tommy Palasek in that attack line for the Blaze continuing to play well like they do usually um, when they're in the ATL. All right, I'm going to go a different direction. I'm going to go to the Bayhawks just because they still, I think, are the best team in lacrosse. They're playing really well. you got Lyle Thompson and Colin Heacock that are just producing consistently for them, uh, you know, and even 
Uh, Nico Amato is doing well in cage, you know, and you got the the double combo at LSM with CJ Costabile and Jesse Bernhardt. So they're the most complete team, I think, right now. Uh, they're struggling a little bit at the face-off X. They're trying to find, you know, the right face-off guy. So I think that's been hurting them a little bit, but I think they'll get it done against the Blaze this weekend. And uh, following that, then, we have the Lizards at the Outlaws. Adam, who are you picking between these two squads? You know, I thought last week would be the revenge game uh, for the Outlaws against the Rattlers, um, and I'm going to stick with them. Uh, a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while, and I think, unfortunately, uh, the Lizards are going to be on the wrong end of some angry Outlaws this week, and I'm going with the Outlaws. Yeah, I'm picking Outlaws as well. Uh, I think, you know, this is the game that they're going to get their confidence back. You know, Max Adler's been still dominating at the X, even despite these losses. So I think he gets it done against the Lizards. And, uh, you know, I think they get back in the win column and hopefully start progressing, you know, as the playoffs are upon us. We do have one more game following that one. Uh, It's the Rattlers at the Bayhawks on Sunday. Adam, who do you have in this game? I'm taking the Bayhawks in this one as well. You know, um, we talked about the success rate of teams having to play two games in one weekend. Um, doesn't usually result in, in a couple W's. So um, I'm going to take the Bayhawks at home. Another strong uh, performance from, from the squad. That's one of the best in the league. So I'm going to have to take the Bayhawks. Unfortunately, the Rats are going to start that losing streak again if it comes to what I said. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take the Bayhawks again just because the Rattlers have to travel to two different cities. You know, they'll go to Quincy and then they'll head down to Annapolis. Um, I just think that's a lot for a team to do back-to-back. Again, you know, the MLL needs to figure out the scheduling next week. We understand the circumstances of why the scheduling's like this, but, you know, it's tough for these players to have to travel so much and play back-to-back games. So, uh, yeah, I'm picking the Bayhawks in this one. Yeah, and, and it's crazy to think that we're, we're picking the Hawks when they have to travel all the way back from Atlanta. Um, but it's it's something to, that the league's going to have to address going forward, and you know this had to do with the the last minute drop of those three squads. Um, hopefully, this is something that they look at in the off season and, and make that change. Yeah, no, definitely, uh, good point there. Um, but let's go to the PLL then. Uh, I'll start off. We have in Albany, uh, New York, on Saturday. The night game is the Atlas versus the Chaos. Um, I'm going to pick the Chaos in this one. I know they are already in the playoffs, um, but I still am not sold on the Atlas yet. You know, they, they had a big win last week, um, but they still give up way too much goals. This Chaos team is going to score. Um, you know, even Jack and Cannon and Cage, who's been playing well, isn't going to be able to stop this firepower from this Chaos offense. And, uh, you know, I think they're going to struggle to score against Blaze Reardon. You know, he's been still playing really, really well uh, for this Chaos team. So, I think the Chaos oust the Atlas' chances this weekend. I'm going the reverse side of it, solely because I want Sunday to be just as exciting as Saturday. Um, I'm, I'm going to pick the Atlas in this one. I'm, I think Paul is starting his uh, hot streak. Um, they're going to play well, um, and they're going to get this W, and then it's going to come down to the two games on Sunday to determine uh, who makes the playoffs. All right, so we're picking different teams for that one. Uh, on Sunday, the Archers are playing the Whip Snakes. Um, I'm going to go Archers here. I think they're going to get it done. They're winning, they're in. Um, I know we talk about how the Chaos, I don't think, are going to take the foot off the gas. I can kind of see the Whip Snakes, though, doing this. I don't know why, but I, I just feel like I don't think it's in Stagnita to have them take a step back, but I just see them kind of coming out a little lackadaisical. They had a big win you know, on Sunday. They're already in the playoffs. I can see you know, them kind of sleeping a little bit on the Archers, and the Archers are hungry. You know, they, They're bitter from that overtime loss past weekend. They could have been in already, um, and all they have to do is really pull out a victory against the Whip Snakes this weekend. So I think they get it done, and they win in this one. Yeah, I do as well. 
Um, I think they're going to get the W uh, in that matchup. And uh, it's going to be a, a big game because we haven't talked about it yet, but the Redwoods Chrome games uh, uh, before that. So they're going to know what they need to do. Um, and I'm kind of excited to see uh, the likes of Marcus Holman, uh, Joey Sankey, and Tom Schreiber coming up big uh, when they need it. So then our final game, which will be the biggest of them all, you know, with a lot of playoff implications riding on it, is Redwoods versus the Chrome. Chrome are obviously out, um, but I'm going to pick the Redwoods, not because I don't think the Chrome are going to give them a good fight, but because Jules Henningberg's coming out party was against the Chrome when he was first traded. He had those eight points against the Chrome, uh, huge day. He's been, you know, very quiet the last two weeks, and I think that's kind of why they've been struggling, and I think he's going to come out strong against the Chrome's defense this coming weekend, and I think he's going to lead them to a, a playoff berth. Yeah, and I, I want this one to come down to the last game of the season um, from the reg in the regular season, so I'm going to pick the Redwoods uh, in this one as well. Timmy Trotter didn't have the best day, kind of was left hang hanging out to dry um, from his defense in a good bit uh, in that blowout against the Whip Snakes, but I think he comes back, has a big game. Uh all right, so I think the Atlas are going to be on the outside looking in. You think all three teams that are vying for those last two spots are going to win, so it's going to come down to goal differential if your predictions come true, so it should be an interesting uh, final weekend in the regular season. I so, I so badly want uh, it to come down to that last game. I want to see that drama that comes down to the final minutes of a game um, if they need a goal, either with their winning or losing. Um, I'm really excited to, to see this last, last week of the regular season. Yeah, no, definitely going to be a fun final weekend. Uh, we're, we're both excited, so um, we'll definitely have our eyes peeled for these three matchups. Uh, with that, that wraps up our podcast. Uh, we ask that you guys go ahead and subscribe if you enjoyed this episode. Um, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast. Uh, leave us a review. Feel free to listen to our other episodes. We have our Bros and the Pros episode with brothers Jake Bernhardt of the Whip Snakes and Jesse Bernhardt of the Bayhawks currently out, so give that a listen. Um, coming up, we also have head coach of the Chrome, Dom Starja, and chaos midfielder, Deemer Class. So those episodes will be coming out in the near future. And then our online contributor, Ty Cunnington, had an early PLL MVP candidates article on our website, so be sure to check that out. Some really great stuff there, too. So uh, we hope you guys enjoy this episode, and with that, let's get into our overtime. Adam, what are you looking forward to most this weekend? I'm looking forward to those Sunday games to see uh, what happens. It's got to be those last two games uh, of the regular season. And I'm looking forward to these PLL games as well, but I'm also looking forward to more reviews. At Purple Guy 45 had a review on our Apple Podcast page. Quote, this podcast couldn't have given me what I wanted from a lax podcast anymore. The omission of pure stats and numbers is easy to follow, and the interviews especially are very well prepared. Cap it all off with a huge variety of interviews and topics across several leagues makes this one of the most elite lacrosse podcasts. Good job, guys. Uh, unquote. So we thank you PurpleGuy45 for your review. Um, we hope we get some more reviews like that. Glad that you guys have enjoyed listening. You know, it really means a lot. Started this podcast for ourselves, but it's more, you know, for the fans and, you know, for lacrosse players themselves to have a platform to kind of share their stories. Because, you know, we're just fans like everyone else. So it's it's been an honor putting these episodes out and we're glad that everyone's been enjoying them. So with that, that concludes episode 16. Thank you all for listening and we hope you tune in next time to Pro Lacrosse Talk.